the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Samuel. It doesn't make much sense for us, even in modern times, to think to ourselves that we can just disobey God all during the week, and intentionally so, and think it's fine, and then come to church on Sunday and worship God as if God's going to be blessed by that worship. I mean, that's, that's just hypocritical. It's, it's wanting to live in disobedience and then think that somehow God's going to be impressed with our worship, and He just isn't. If you were to look at one of your parents in the eye and tell them you love them and thank them for their love for you, just turn around and do exactly the thing they ask you not to do. How meaningful were your professions of love and gratitude? Yes, you may still love them and they still love you, but your actions directly dishonor them and show that your love of self is greater than your love for them. In today's message, Pastor Gary will remind us that worship without disobedience is not credible. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. 1 Samuel chapter 15 is where we are, if you want to take your Bibles and open there to the Old Testament, to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 15, verse 15, and Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites, meaning the people, the animals, for for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. And then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. So the Lord had already shown Samuel in advance that Saul had disobeyed God. And so Samuel already knew, and he, was, and he came armed with a word from the Lord. And this is what he says. Verse, uh, well, Samuel, uh, Saul said to him, well, speak on. Go ahead, tell me. And verse 17. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, and you were humble, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, And fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Again, there's the spin. And so Samuel says, verse 22, Samuel said, has the Lord 
as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Now, based on what we just read that Samuel said there, here's principle number two from this chapter. Obeying God is better than worshiping God. You see, when they would sacrifice these animals to the Lord back in Old Testament times, it was an act of worship. They were sacrificing and and the shedding of blood was all symbolic of a sacrifice to the Lord. We're worshiping him in this way. And Samuel corrects Saul and he says to obey is better than sacrifice. Like it doesn't make much sense for us, even in modern times, to think to ourselves that we can just disobey God all during the week and intentionally so, and think it's fine, and then come to church on Sunday and worship God as if God's going to be blessed by that worship. I mean, that's, that's just hypocritical. It's, it's wanting to live in disobedience and then think that somehow God's going to be impressed with our worship, and He just isn't. Because what He wants more than our worship, because anybody can sing a song and worship the Lord and lift up their hands. Anybody can do that. But what he wants more than that is obedience, because that's true worship. Living an obedient life to the Lord is what honors him. That's what blesses him. That's what worships him. It is hypocritical to live in willful disobedience and then come and think that God's going to be impressed by our worship. He just isn't. And so this is the problem that Saul had. Saul's like, well, you know, I I had good intentions and I sacrificed to the Lord. It's all about worshiping him. And and Saul's like, uh, Samuel is like, no, 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 no. It's about obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And he even compares rebellion, notice that, to the sin of witchcraft, to demonic witchcraft. He says stubbornness is is as iniquity and idolatry. I mean, you can't get much worse than that in, in, in ancient biblical times than witchcraft and idolatry. I mean, those things are diametrically opposed to the Lord, and you can't be in witchcraft and idolatry and be true and loyal and worshiping the Lord. It just, it's incompatible. And so uh, Samuel's correcting Saul here. He says, no, no, you've deceived yourself. You think God's impressed with your worship. What he wants is your obedience. And in fact, rebelling against the Lord is as bad as witchcraft. You might as well go practice demonic things because God is not impressed at all. And, and, and your stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. And then the sad thing there, of course, is that because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected you from being king. So he says, like, it's done. Like God's done with you. And again, this wasn't the first time, back in chapter 13, he had disobeyed too. But it's like, okay, God's going to give mercy. There's correction there. But now in chapter 15, God's like, you know, chapter 13, it's like your, your descendants will not follow your reign. And now chapter 15, it's like you're going to be off the throne too. Now it's not immediate. It's not immediate. The reason it's not immediate is because the guy, the guy that God has chosen to replace Saul is about 10 years old at this time. So it's not, it's not immediate. It's just like, you know, look, in, in the garden, when God had warned Adam and Eve, 
You're free to eat of any of the trees in the garden except one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, they didn't die immediately. But the word of the Lord came to pass hundreds of years later. Because God, even in his sentencing, is merciful. And so the, the literal Hebrew in the garden meant the dying process begins. Well, the dying process here of the reign of Saul begins now. And so Saul, still thinking that he can hold on to his reign, says there, keep reading verse 24. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because, notice this, underline or highlight this in your Bibles, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Well, let's continue with our principles. Number three, the fear of man will cause you not to do things you should or to do things that you shouldn't. And so this is his problem. The fear of man, it's a snare. You know, a couple of Sundays ago, we talked about this with Pontius Pilate. He ended up giving in, even though, again, in the big scheme of things, it was the providential will of God that Christ should die for the sins of the world. So it was God's will to crush Jesus and cause him to suffer, to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We get that in the big picture. But the reason why God used Pontius Pilate was because he was a weak-willed man who gave in to the people, and thus the will of God was accomplished through that guy. But Pontius Pilate served to be a reminder to us of what happens when you give in to the fear of man. The mob said they wanted Jesus crucified. Pontius Pilate three times gave in reason why he should not have Jesus crucified. But at the end of the day, he gave in because he kowtowed to the fear of the people. And Saul is at least honest enough to say, the reason I disobeyed God, all of a sudden now he gets clarity. And he's like, well, the reason I disobeyed God, you know, if I don't justify my actions any longer, it's because I feared the people. If I had to be honest, and I obeyed their voice. And so the fear of man will cause us not to do things that we should and cause us to do things that we shouldn't. Proverbs 29, 25 says the fear of man brings a snare. It is a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. And the opposite is true. In Proverbs 19, 23, it says the fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. And so we see this other challenge here for us. This is a human problem where all of us have just enough of Saul or just enough of Pontius Pilate in our lives where we care too much what other people think and not as much about what God thinks. And we should always primarily be focused on what does God think in this situation. And if we know that we're honoring the Lord, then we can trust Him with the people in our lives who might not like whatever we say or do in response to being obedient to the Lord. We'll trust God with them. But the result is so much worse when we're like fearing people and giving in to people and just doing what people think and have no regard for what God thinks. And so this, is, this was part of his downfall. And so verse 25, Now therefore, Saul says, Please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. He says, God has made up his mind here, and he has rejected you. I want to pause for a little epilogue on this story. And you can write in the margin of your Bible, 2 Samuel 1 Verses 1 to 10. 2 Samuel 1, 
verses 1 to 10. And if you want to turn there, just a few pages over to the right, to the book of 2 Samuel. I want to read the first 10 verses of 2 Samuel chapter 1, because I, I want you to see what happens here at the end of Saul's life. It's very tragic, but there's an important point to be learned from this. 2 Samuel chapter 1. Now it came to pass after the death of Saul. So now we're fast forwarding. I'm, I'm giving you you know, a preview, little spoiler alert, but okay, here it comes. Now it came to pass that after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, who's David fighting there? The Amalekites. Why should he be fighting the Amalekites if Saul had destroyed them, right? So now other people are going to die in battle unnecessarily, all because Saul didn't kill the Amalekites. Well, it gets worse. David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag. On the third day, behold, it happened that a man came from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. So it was when he came to David that he fell to the ground and prostrated himself. And David said to him, where have you come from? So he said to him, I have escaped from the camp of Israel. And then David said to him, how did the matter go? Please tell me. And he answered, the people have fled from the battle. Many of the people are fallen and dead, and Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead also. And so David said to the young man who told him, how do you know that Saul and Jonathan, his son, are dead? And then the young man who told him said, as I happened by chance to be on Mount Gilboa, there was Saul leaning on his spear. And indeed, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Now, pause for just a moment, your attention. He's describing a battle that we'll read about later, but that Saul gets involved with the Philistines. And Saul and his son Jonathan are going to be fatally wounded in the battle against the Philistines. So this, there's this messenger guy who's coming to tell David that he was an eyewitness of Saul's last hour. And there's a reason he's an eyewitness, as you'll see when, as we continue reading here. And so, so, so the messenger says to David, I saw Saul, he was leaning on his, on his spear. Okay, why is he doing that? Or some translations say sword. Because the Philistines are upon him and he doesn't want to be captured. And so he's about ready to fall on a sword, Saul. And so he's leaning on a spear and indeed the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. Verse 7, now when he looked behind him, he saw me, the messenger says, and he called to me and I answered, here I am. And he said to me, who are you? So I answered him, I am an Amalekite. And he said to me again, please stand over me and kill me, for anguish has come upon me, but my life still remains in me. So I stood over him and killed him, because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the bracelet that was on his arm, and have brought them here to my Lord, to David. Okay? Now what, what in the world is happening here? So Saul's been injured in battle, but, he, but he's not dead. And yet he's, he is in the process of dying, but he wants to finish himself off before the Philistines come and capture him, take him as a prisoner of war, make him a little war trophy. And so Saul's like, I'm not going to have that happen. This guy keeps, comes walking by, sees Saul leaning on his spear or his sword. And Saul, because he's so weak at this point, can't even take his own life, can't even finish himself off like this. So he says to this messenger guy that is reporting this to David, why don't you come take my sword and finish me off? And that's what this guy does. And who is he? An Amalekite. That's how he identifies himself. 
He's an Amalekite. This is an important point. It's number four from chapter 15. What you don't kill could end up killing you. What you don't kill could end up killing you. Some of you, if this applies to you, receive it. If it doesn't, don't. Some of you are engaged in things that if you don't repent of now, while there's still time, it'll end up destroying you. It'll end up destroying you. God in His mercy will sometimes take our sins and He will cover them before the most devastating effects of our sins. And then there are other times that because we don't turn quickly enough, that our sin in the end comes back to destroy us. Saul was told to kill all the Amalekites, and he disobeyed God. And in the end, it was an Amalekite who killed him. So let this be a lesson for all of us, because there's a strong principle there. What God tells us to put to death, what did Jesus say in Luke's gospel? He said, take up your cross daily and follow me. That's a dying to self. Luke is the one out of the gospels that inserts the word daily. Because Jesus is reminding us, a life that is a follower of Christ involves dying to self every single day, crucifying the flesh, making sure that that Amalekite part of our own heart does not take over our lives to end up destroying us at the end of the day. Romans 8.13, Paul says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So go back here now to 1 Samuel 15, and that's why I wanted to share that little epilogue. It's a little advanced picture, but while we're on the subject of Saul's disobedience in not destroying the Amalekites, I wanted you to see that in the end, it's actually an Amalekite who ends up killing him. So this whole thing is tragic on many levels. And so he begs Samuel, and Samuel's like, nope, God's done. Verse 27, back here in in 1 Samuel 15, verse 27. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. And so Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Of course, who is that? David. And also the strength of Israel will not lie or relent, for he is not a man that he should Relent. In other words, God, God doesn't lie and, and he doesn't like make mistakes and then whoops, you know, so I'm going to change my mind. When God decides something, he decides something and he's consistent with his word. He's not a man that he should lie or change his mind. It's interesting here. God is referred to Samuel calls him the strength of Israel there in verse 29. It's the only time that this phrase is used in the entire Bible. Some of your translations might say the glory of Israel. Uh, either strength or glory. The Hebrew is Netzach Israel. Netzach can translate strength or glory or honor. And, and so this is just a title for the Lord that Samuel uses about the Lord. And, and he, he says he's not like a man. He doesn't lie. He doesn't, he doesn't relent in that way. And so then verse 30, then he said, here Saul is again begging, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please. Before the elders of my people, before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. What's, what's Saul asking? Well, just, you know, go back with me at least so that I can look good in front of the elders of Israel. Because if I have the prophet by my side, then it's, it's going to give me some street cred. How about you come back with me, Samuel? 
Now, you know what is so tragic? Again, as this guy's life just unravels, image is more important to Saul than his own heart. He's concerned about his image than he is about his heart. And it does say, verse 31, so Samuel turned back after Saul and Saul worshiped the Lord, which is just simply an indication to us that Samuel is not out here to lead a rebellion against against Saul. God told Samuel what to say to Saul, that God had rejected Saul as king, and there's going to be another replacement. Samuel doesn't even know who the replacement is. He just knows that God's already chosen somebody, as we're going to see in a moment, because Samuel can't even identify yet who is that replacement. But he's just telling Saul, this is, this is what God has said. But yet he goes back with them to worship because he's like, I'm not going to lead a rebellion against this guy. When God wants to finally depose him, that's up to God and God's timetable. I'm going to go back and I'm still going to be a prophet to Israel. And I'm still going to honor the, the office of the king. You know, sometimes we don't like what we see in, in leadership, in, you know, government leadership, right? But you still have to honor the office. Because there's still a respect to the office, even though you might take issue with the person who's in that office. And it's a fine line, I get it, but what Samuel is doing here is respecting the fact that until God says that Saul's time is completely done, Samuel is still going to act in the office of a prophet, and he's going to lead a time of worship for Saul and for the elders of Israel. But I want you to see how this chapter ends with me. It's kind of brutal because Samuel rolls like an Italian boss man. Now take a look here. Because it says in verse 32, Then Samuel said, Bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. And so Agag came to him cautiously. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. Like, come on, we're not all still upset by the fact that I'm alive and that Saul didn't kill me. Like, I'm going to get a pass, right? But Samuel said, verse 31, Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. (laughs) You go, Samuel Jason Bourne. I mean, whoa, (laughs) just like go, go all out on him. Just roll mafia style. He just takes a sword and he basically he's going to finish what Saul should have done. You know, as brutal as this looks, it's like, well, Saul was supposed to kill him along with the Amalekites. It was God's judgment. We can't let this guy live. And Samuel's like, Saul, if, if you don't have the chutzpah to do this, then I will. Give me your sword. And he hacks Agag to death and, and he kills the guy and he does what Saul was supposed to do. And then it says, and so Samuel went to Ramah, that's his hometown, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Now, I mentioned this word last week because the word regret is back up in verse 10, where it says that the Lord regretted that he ever made Saul king of Israel. And you might say, well, I thought, Pastor G, you just said a minute ago that God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. It's, as I said last week, it's an anthropomorphism. It's a word that is found in our Bibles where sometimes God uses human kinds of language to express his heart, that he's grieved over what Saul has done, but he doesn't regret in the way that we have regrets because we make bad decisions. This is a term that he's helping us to identify his heart, that he's grieved over all of this that is happening here. I mean, you know, look, he he selected Saul. He wanted the best for Saul. And God knows all things. So God, in the end, knew beforehand that Saul would reject him. But nevertheless, God's heart is for his people, and he doesn't want any to perish. And 
Saul is going to reap his, the consequences for his own choice. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of 1 Samuel. This book is packed full of practical applications for our lives today. We follow three main characters, Saul, David, and of course Samuel, through a series of crossroads and decisions they faced during the early days in Bible times. It is here that we find the victory of David over Goliath and the development of a new prophet in young Samuel. We also find the fall of a king in Saul as a reminder of the consequences of disobedience to God. As Samuel told Saul in chapter 15, verse 22, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Did you know that getting together as a church family is one way that you can hear the truth from one another? Cornerstone Chapel gets together each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m., and Wednesday at 7 p.m. to learn from the Word and spend time in fellowship as sons and daughters of the King. Find out more at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We also encourage and believe in the power of praying together and for one another. Email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net with your prayer needs today. Thanks for listening to this teaching from 1 Samuel today on Cornerstone Connection. Got no place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.